Greetings, fruits, and welcome to episode 7 of We Are All Fruit, a League of Their Own podcast. Can I get your autograph? Anything for a fan. I'm Kat. I'm Crystal. And I'm Susanna, and today we're discussing episode 7, written by Sanaz Tusi and directed by Silas Howard. This episode's a bummer. <laughs> this is tough. We people. went from the highest of the highs mm-hmm. and the lowest of it, which is interesting considering we're at episode seven of eight. Usually you mm-hmm. get that episode. If you're right in the middle, you get Midway. the, what is that? The zenith pinnacle, whatever, the mm-hmm. top, the tippity top. Yeah. So, well, and Max then, has a good episode. Max has a good day. That's true. Max, Max has a is great the only day. one that has a good day mm-hmm. in this episode. Including mm-hmm. us, the viewers. We don't have a great time watching this episode. <laughs> <laughs> also of interest, speaking of day, this episode is simply a day. And I think that mm-hmm. says a lot because they say it, a lot has happened. This day mm-hmm. feels like a year. This is the only episode where it's just one day and you feel it. You feel the how exhausted you are like you just want to go in bed and just sleep for days after this episode after this day if you have this day (laughs) right from the get-go the first thing that you see is Greta anxiously looking out the window almost like a little puppy dog waiting for the Mm -hmm. person their person or people to come back home that's kind of her lifeline she's just like i i cannot think about a thing until i know joe is okay mm-hmm. that joe is back and carson goes into the room and tries in her, her sweet way the only way she knows how you have to eat something which everyone knows when you're depressed or stressed mm-hmm. you don't want to eat or have some mm-hmm. water even water just feels like a chore mm-hmm. Mabel enters and She's like, oh boy, you guys look like, what'd you say? Hell's basement. Yeah. (laughs) Where they keep all the old demons. (laughs) And is this where she's holding a whole blanket in front of her? Yeah. Yeah. She's not coming in with like a chair. Yeah. (laughs) Just carrying a chair. Incredibly. Or just carrying a baby. She's like, I had the baby. Here it is. (laughs) So... Yeah, Maybell comes to check in on them, and then uh, Car pulls up. Curtis sees Joe, and it's not good. Handcuffed, limping, beaten, and being brought into the house by uh, some officers. Handed off to Beverly. Mm. Obviously, everyone is concerned. Uh, Greta's freaking out, <laughs> and. Um, Shirley is just like, she's like, she's like squirrel, you know, she's like off on her own thing. All she could think about is, I can't mm-hmm. believe that she had you convinced that she was in a relationship with Dove and Carson mm-hmm. has had it. She's like, Shirley, like mm-hmm. shut up. <laughs> finally, mm-hmm. she finally is just like, you've got to stop this. And it's interesting. Shirley gets in the beginning. She's kind of like talking to herself, da, 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 you know, quiet. She gets louder and louder as the episodes go on about Mm. this thing. You know, she kind of always just kind of is in the corner a little bit. You you lose 
some of her her comments or whatever. She gets stronger in her convictions. Yes, but this this is it. It's not mm-hmm. botulism. It's not anything else. It's not a you know a humidifier or something. It's <laughs> this. This is the thing that is really unraveling her, and mm-hmm, we will yeah. come back to this <laughs> later on. Beverly tells Joe uh, she's got ten minutes to pack, get her things, and get going. And Carson goes up to Beverly and she's like, you know, what's going on? And Beverly is just like, she's been traded to the Blue Sox. And Carson's like, no, you can't do that. And Beverly tells her that uh, she was at an establishment patronized by sexual inverts and they usually publish their names. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just those papers, the invert paper. The invert daily. (laughs) We should start that. I would read it. (laughs) So she's basically doing this for Joe's safety because Mm -hmm. Joe is not safe Mm -hmm. there. Um, And she uh, paid off the cops to not do this Mm -hmm. to um, protect the league as well. So she is literally taking one for the team. Beverly Mm -hmm. is awesome. I still even at this point had not picked up that she was queer me neither me neither yeah (laughs) but she's doing this because she's protecting joe like it sucks this is this was her only solution to keep joe safe Mm -hmm. right and it's so it's not just that the publicity could come out she also says that there seems to have been an attachment to a woman in town right Mm -hmm. Flo. yeah and for her well-being the attachment has to be broken so it's both the kind of outward oh, yeah. politics of it. And then she's trying to protect Joe from not pursuing this because mm-hmm. Beverly knows it's not safe. Oh man, what do you think happened to Flo? Right? Is she just, mm. is she already getting a lobotomy at this minute? Oh gosh. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. Well, let me, uh, so let me uh, springboard off that depressing thought uh-huh. into <laughs> like, the breakup of Joe and Greta, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what this is. This is mm-hmm. a relationship that's clearly outlived all of their other romantic relationships, their um, fa- familial relationships, mm-hmm. and this is going to be the hardest thing that either of them are going to have to do. One, for Joe to finally have, I mean, it's hard. It's Greta is Greta. Look at her. She's charming. She's fun. <laughs> You know, you want to have adventures with her, but Joe has to look out for herself and to ad- like to kind of get to that place is very difficult. It's clearly it's been decades or whatever. And Greta goes into it. She's trying everything. She's like, I'll get us tickets. Mm-hmm. We can go. We don't have to look back. We'll never do this again. This was a mistake. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And Joe's like, I'm I'm a star. Like I am this is my path. I am really good at this. And I would love to, you know, carry around your bags forever that, you know, that was, that worked for me mm-hmm. following you around, but that's not going to work for me anymore. And yeah. The first time I watched this, I mean, I was in love with Greta from the first <laughs> ooh la la, right? But mm-hmm. from the first doink. From, from the, the first, first doink. doink. <laughs> but this is when I felt particularly i just like depressing shit okay like i like tragedy like that Mm -hmm. the the way connect is like the this meaningful trauma you're like the person that likes the sad song on repeat over and over again 
Precisely, exactly, yeah. mm -hmm. yes. Um, and so I just think Darcy Carden is acting so well throughout these scenes. You yeah. can see the pain and the worry, and it feels really, really genuine and fresh and sincere. And so that I just want to flag that as like one good thing about these scenes that Greta just becomes adds another dimension to her personality mm -hmm. in in these scenes. So that's something redeeming about all the tragedy. Mm -hmm. I also I also joked in the notes that Joe's saying she's going to South Bend with the same level of enthusiasm as I had when I had to move there. <laughs> I'm going to South Bend. <laughs> I'm not a farm girl. I'm going to South Bend. Oh, yeah. Um, and Look, at you get down on South Bend, and I understand it. I, don't, I could not live in South Bend, but your house was so stinking cute. Oh, thanks. Two yeah. bedrooms. I paid so little in rent. I had a garage. Oh, amazing. You were making and furniture. You were like Nick Offerman. <laughs> I was Nick oh Offerman. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Truly. Like an icon, era. Nick Offerman. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I'm a great coach. <laughs> uh, but the thing with, with them, I just felt like there was something missing, maybe cut out from a previous episode, that would have given us just a little bit more of a taste. I mean, we get it. Joe is the sort of third wheel wing woman right but Greta was just so sweet to her throughout and this one event that you know obviously like everybody made a mistake mm -hmm. in retrospect by going it's not as though Greta sabotaged Joe you know on purpose but she's being punished in this uh, really significant way I just didn't I didn't quite get that abrupt of a separation Hmm. Can I, I have so many comments about this and I know Crystal does too, mm -hmm. but I do want to say that everyone else came home safely and Joe was kind of mortified. Like it was like her life was threatened. Like mm -hmm. she could literally be, it's not just like, you know, Carson and Greta got home. They were okay. Lupe and Jess weren't even there, you know, it's more terrifying. She got beat up. She's kind of put in jail like it but that Greta would terrify me that's what i'm no i don't think greta, greta was to blame but i i can definitely see where joe is coming from because i think their relationship has been has always been greta deciding when and where they go mm -hmm. and joe mm -hmm. being just a really flexible person went with it and i think over time friendships like that where one person is really easygoing and the other wants to make decisions, I think it really wears down on the easygoing person. Mm -hmm. And the other person kind of starts to take it for granted that they always get what they want. And Joe is like, had enough. She's like, this, this was the last straw. I've been going with your whimsy for years now. And now I just kind of face the consequences for that. And I don't want to go. She's kind of putting her foot down. She's like, you know what? I'm I'm prioritizing what I want for once instead of what you want, Greta. But Joe doesn't leave without one more farm girl comment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you really are. You actually are a really good coach, farm girl. She mm -hmm. also like grabs Maybelle's chin and tells her not to cry. Mm -hmm. Like she's limping and mm -hmm. bloody, but she still is holding Looking her head well. high. Yeah, she's a she's a tough cookie, Joe. I also that scene of her walking down the hall. 
and this kind of processional and saying goodbye to it just felt I, I know they're gonna see each other again right but at the time just felt so final and so scary and sad it yeah. had me in tears I also like that the people who are crying the most are the poor extras with no lines. <laughs> <laughs> unnamed peaches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they got to make good. If they get a second season, they're like, we're getting a line. Let's show yeah, them our yeah. acting chops. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. On the complete other side of the human experience spectrum, we zoom <laughs> yeah. in to Max waking up with a red lipstick in her cheek and somebody's cowboy hat on her head. <laughs> I mean, look at the joy. There's so much joy that I love that that image shows up so much on our little timeline, whether it's a fan art or something. She's mm -hmm. just like, yes. The smile on her face is so big Sublime. and genuine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also love the detail of all the people sleeping on the floor when I was growing up in. Belarus and that must have been still Soviet Union days but I remember my mom had a couple of house parties where people would do that like they oh would my just stay and sleep on the floor and it was I just was just gonna awesome. ask you guys if either of you have ever been to a party like this I've had parties like this 100 <laughs> percent but they had a lot of other stuff besides alcohol and that wasn't me I was I went I had a party at my house one time and it was wild. It was in the valley, so it was like more suburban. We had a garage. We had bands playing, and every so I, every LA. room I went into, someone was making out in my walk-in closet. Someone was like practically <laughs> having sex. I, I don't want to. Like, there was like someone, like there was like cocaine on like my bathroom. Yeah. Like oh I was like, come God. on, man. That was my breaking point. I didn't care about people like yeah, like truly having sex, and making out, and doing whatever. Just don't, don't do cocaine on my. <laughs> yeah i've been to one party where just everyone stayed over slept on the floor it was college days it was a good oh, time i was gonna say was it because of snow no we were just <laughs> all okay. blackout drunk and everyone just stayed the night <laughs> just Smart. slept wherever yeah mm -hmm. so gracie and bert are cleaning up and chatting and they're like cozy domestic attire so uh -huh. that are super cute and so there's, they start to make fun of Max about the girl that she was dancing with. The girl gave her the name S. Mm -hmm. And Gracie is sort of being playful around the mystery. How mysterious. Bert, right. Bird is like, well, did you give her your number? Did people you know, give out their digits at this time? Like, was that a, a social thing to give out your home phone number? I don't know. But for like dating purposes, I, I feel like at this time your phone number was more of like a business, a household business thing, but I have no idea. That I do not know. A good history corner. Yeah. Max has just got a cell phone. She's like, yeah, I gave her one. Way less numbers in the United States. You'd have like a an uh -huh. exchange, like for Hollywood, it would be like HO and then like 438 or something. Mm -hmm. huh. and someone would like yep yeah, like, yeah. the operator connect yeah, your would call connect you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then listen on to your i was gonna say she would <laughs> yeah that operator would get quite an earful <laughs> all right so they go on a little bit about how she's from out of town the hosts wake everybody up because they need more information and there is this brilliant <laughs> hilarious actor who gets two lines She's waking up and she's just so tired and grumpy. I just yeah. thought it was so funny how she <laughs> overacted the heck out of that part. Of like, oh, she's 
this is Esther, and she's going to be at the Red, Red All-Stars party. She's just so grumpy. It's so <laughs> yeah. funny. The extras this episode are going for it. Yes. Extra. Yes, they're giving us everything. <laughs> and so then Bert says, go get your girl. And Very cute. And then they start getting it on. Gracie's like, come get your girl. Gracie (laughs) is, I think, the unsung hottie of this show. Everyone's Mm -hmm. like, Greta, Greta, Greta. Mm -hmm. Yes, we all love Greta. She's gorgeous. She's flirty. We love her. Gracie Mm. is just like Greta. Flirty, dresses so nice. Like, love her. Funny. Love her, love her. Yeah, impeccable. Sass. The sass is what gets me. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I will fall in love with sass. So, cut to... Lupe and Jess, if you remember, they discovered that Esty went missing the night before, and that's why Lupe and Jess didn't end up at the bar, which, blessing in disguise, because they were out all night looking for Esty. And they're at a train station now, and they're like, oh, okay, like, where could she be? We'll check the church. If she's not there, she must be hungry. Let's check the grocery store. And Jess says, let's check back home. Scared animals always return to the familiar. <laughs> Back to Primal Jess. Yeah. <laughs> Typical Jess. I mean, if anyone in the on the team knows how to track a person, it's Jess. So <laughs> right. I trust her advice. However, they spy Esty sitting on a bench at the train station they're at. And the scene is so comical. The way mm-hmm. Lupe, she like is straight as a board. Her back is just up. <laughs> she calls her a fucking rascal in Spanish and starts <laughs> marching over her. And when Esty sees her, I swear her legs do like a Looney Tunes spin to warm up. <laughs> they do the like Roadrunner spin yeah. to start running away. <laughs> she starts Tom Cruise running from Lupe. Lupe starts chasing after Esty. Jess starts chasing after Lupe and gets in front of her and is like, you know, why don't you try talking to her? Like you never just talk to this kid. You're always yelling at her and Jess calms her down. She calms everyone down, mm-hmm. gets them together, and is like, please come in the car. We've got Beverly's car. Let's let's go back to the house. And Esty's like, okay, I will come back with you under one condition. And the condition Brilliant. was <laughs> she wants to learn <laughs> how to drive. So <laughs> super cute. Esty starts driving them back home. Jess is in the front seat, like teaching her. Mm-hmm. Lupe's in the back seat, just freaking out, being like, slow down. You're going to crash. And Esty and Jess have like this really cute moment. Obviously, Jess can't fully understand full Spanish, but she really, really tries and like says Mm -hmm. words in Spanish that she knows and like really connects with her. It's so cute. And Esty's like, I love you, Jess. You you know, I love you with all my heart. And she's like, Ditto, kid. It's so sweet. Te amo. Yeah. I love it. I love their Mm -hmm. relationship. There was one moment in this. When they first um, had eyes on Esty, she had a suitcase and she ran away from the suitcase. She just left it. And it reminded me of Broad City where every single time Abby leaves them, they're just like, leave it. We talked about this on a previous podcast. What is it with Abby's shows where everyone's just leaving their shit all over town? Leave it. (laughs) We're getting ready to the screws versus red, right? Wow. I cannot say this. Red, right. It's hard to say. All star game. <laughs> Say that five times. is talking to her, uh, her arch, arch nemesis rivals. Big and C also asking. harshest critics. 
Uh-huh, right? uh-huh. <laughs> I love that Clance draws in minimalist. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Maurice asks, is that a disease? <laughs> Sometimes it feels that way to me in our apartment or our house. They have this deep conversation about Captain America. Clance says that's uh, propaganda. But True. Lieutenant Victory is subversive. She is throwing a lot at these mm-hmm, 10-year-olds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Max shows up and they go inside and it's like um, like a recruitment area for the factory, right? There are flags and everyone's there like yeah. trying to promote getting people into the factory. Max looks around and she sees... Uh, Esther, right? <laughs> she sees S. And I have one comment before we start talking about the next scene, and that is Esther. Like when Max has eyes on Esther, she is signing a baseball, and it looks like no one told her she needs to sign the sweet spot. And I'm really mm. upset about it. She was just signing just random place on the ball. It's like, sign on the sweet spot. Although the sweet spot is generally, if you're getting a ball signed by many people, and you want a team ball, the sweet spot is saved for the manager. But yeah, nah. I was going to say, wouldn't it go, go to red? Mm, Who cares? I guess so. No, I just want it to just be hers and I want her to <laughs> sign. Okay, go go on. I'll let it slide. <laughs> There's two more thing here, which is Clans tells Max that go talk to red. That's who you probably are here to see. Mm-hmm. And Max corrects her like, no. And then Clans assumes that, oh, therefore it's probably Gary. <laughs> goddamn Gary Gary. and she says she makes a comment about him looking good Uh, he's looking fine in his uniform and then Mm -hmm. she freaks out and says don't tell a guy I said that ever which I thought was a cute Clance moment too yeah at the Peaches house Greta is crying oh man this episode (laughs) great transition thank you Uh, Carson tries to comfort her Somebody knocks on the door and Carson sh- says we're busy and Greta snaps at her. Don't say we. This mm. is when we begin the the same separation that Joe did from Greta. Greta is now doing to Carson, mm-hmm. building those walls back up. You know, Carson says she's sorry that it's her fault. And Greta agrees, you know, she warned her and Carson still kept pushing her. Although we we have the evidence of the pizza date. This was her <laughs> idea, sort of. Um, <laughs> Someone, everyone's just looking for someone to blame for something because they're yeah. just scared, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Something awful just happened. And do you remember there was one other time when Greta kind of snapped at Carson about this when she gets scared? Like she said over here, don't say we. There was another time when they were in their, um, in their locker Sex room. Oh. No, the locker. No, there was that time too. But she's like, you know, this isn't our little room anymore. Yeah. We have to get, yeah, mm. she's, she's done this before where she gets scared and pushes away hard. Oh, that sucks. Like, mm-hmm. I know this is said in the 1940s, but honestly, having lived a little bit of this in my own life, like mm-hmm. we're so not far away from this reality of being just devastatingly afraid of being found out. And it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm depressing yay more depression on this episode (laughs) so this is when everything is said to eventually lead to Greta leaving you know she's challenging Carson who's trying to persuade her to 
calm down and it's going to be okay. They're going to follow the rules. And Greta just says, are you going to come with me to California? Are you going to do that? Like you said, you know, mm -hmm. she's being confrontational and anticipating mm -hmm. that, that Carson's not going to leave her husband and her comfortable life for Greta. And, and you can see in Carson's face, Carson too is realizing there are real consequences for Right. The kind of life that she might want to lead with Greta. So no, she's not gonna leave her mm -hmm. comfortable life, right? This is maybe the first time she's really understanding the the wages of sin, to quote the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and Greta says this was a mistake. Oh, they're just You're like knives everywhere. Yeah. 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 You're risking everything for something that wasn't even real. And <laughs> yeah. Oh From the start, God. right? We she all told know us, it was real. Yeah. And she we told us, we it. get to decide what is real. And now she's saying it isn't. And again, I don't think she means it, right? No. When you're, no, when you're of course doing not. this kind of She's in up, defensive mode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So eventually, after waiting way longer than anybody would have waited at the door, Terry <laughs> barges in and says... Um, that charlie is here like you and don't think that this could get any worse like truly <laughs> i wasn't expecting to see charlie ever me neither it, like, at this point watching this at the first time i was like well we're not going to see the like, actual mm -hmm. charlie with yeah. carson like we've got a lot of baseball and max and carson to mm -hmm. tackle there's no way we're going to bring charlie and when charlie like, you were already like on the ground and then mm -hmm. they're like charlie's here and it's like okay well why don't you kick me on this ground <laughs> honestly okay and he's a fictional character don't come at me i was hoping he would just die <laughs> oh at war oh <laughs> you're like when greta was talking about tommy that's his problem if he dies. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right i don't want to see charlie come on wow yeah. <laughs> we don't want to see this white bread <laughs> Warm I don't care water. how warm he is. <laughs> okay, I did not have that. This is Crystal, by the way, spewing hatred and wishing death. <laughs> fictional character, fictional character. Leave it to Crystal to give us our sound bites every week. Oh, no. <laughs> Saying something upsetting every week since seven weeks ago. Right. <laughs> So the the women look devastated, both of them, which causes Terry to be like, wait, it is Charlie, right? Like she thinks she's mispronounced the name, like mis misspoken. Charlie. She's expecting Carson to light up. And right, right. Right, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. The opposite happens. Mm -hmm. So Carson does go downstairs and they hug. He has stupid flowers for her. <laughs> and she drops on the ground. <laughs> like the bag. He leaves them behind, like all the bags in the show. Um, everybody's saying, oh my God. Leave them! <laughs> I'm sorry, that's funny. <laughs> There's a tiny moment in which Anna shakes her head seemingly in disgust and says, oh my God, that just made me laugh. I don't know what I can't figure her out here. I can't read her. Is she like hot for Charlie or does she ship Carson and Greta and is hates what she's seeing as much as we I do? Think, like, what is it? Yeah, I think it's the latter. <laughs> I think it's like, oh my God. Like, Ugh, this <laughs> doesn't horrible. look right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I love the idea of it, much like how Jess knew about Carson and mm -hmm. Greta. Maybe Anna does too. Okay. 
So they start kissing in front of everybody again. Not something that would have happened in the 40s, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. Maybelle is excited because some, at least someone's getting their oil change. And she starts <laughs> crying. What a charm. I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shirley looks mesmerized. Shirley is a stan of heterosexuality. Yes. So she's she's she into it. Charlie has a kind of a funny line, which is when he's asking, like, is the mood around here always this dour? I mean, that's not what he says, but it's like, what's with everybody's like freaking out, crying. Maybelle's crying. Nobody seems happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He came at the worst day. Yeah. And Carson is just like, well, they're on edge because of the championship, which doesn't explain anything. Presumably they'd be happy to have won and, and gotten right. in. But instead mm-hmm. they're all depressed. She's doing that Carson thing where she just mm-hmm. starts making stuff up to explain away a situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think you said, you know, it's it's unusual that they would just start kissing in front of ev- everyone. Um, maybe that's Carson. Like being defensive, like putting mm-hmm. up her walls again. She's like, oh, my God, I need to be straight. I'm scared right now. Something awful just happened. Like, yeah, I, don't I think that's yeah. what most people do. Like, right. They're just like, oh, I just got to I'm not gay. Got to go. Mm hmm. You two just don't believe that anybody is straight and that every heterosexual kiss is being like acted. <laughs> I think that's what's happening with your analysis. We are the perfect couple. Yes. Go on. Oh. <laughs> so Greta walks in, which I think is interesting that she even goes downstairs. Like she right. could have, right? Chosen to stay. But I think she can't help it despite saying, you know, essentially saying it's over between them. She doesn't say it that much, but that's where it was leading. She's still interested in observing how Carson would behave with Charlie. Mm-hmm. And she does that that lip or tongue to the edge of her lip thing that she did when she first saw Carson. Mm-hmm. A muted Different. version of that. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's kind of maybe one of those things where you're like, I let me get all of the pain out today. Yeah. Let me see it. Let's just keep pouring on the pain. Maybe she was uh, also testing Carson. Mm-hmm. She was like, is she going to, who's she going to run to? It's like when you, you know, me and Kat both call Dottie. Who's she going to go to? <laughs> who's the favorite here? <laughs> Charlie Dottie is our dog. dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but maybe she was seeing like, Carson, are you going to yeah. push away from Charlie and comfort me? Or are you just going to? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, what she does is she runs to Charlie runs. here. And you can see it in her eyes. I mean, she's just devastated. And, and Carson is seeing it too. So she's like, let's just go somewhere else. We mm-hmm. can't be here anymore. Well, after that sad scene, we get an unhinged car ride <laughs> as Susanna titled this scene. <laughs> Back to Jess, Lupe, and Esty in the car. Esty does not know how to drive, is a little wild. (laughs) Presumably her first time behind the wheel of a car. She's arguing in Spanish with Lupe, who, you know, Lupe's calling her a child, and Esty's like, I turned 17 last month, and you didn't even know that, and this place makes me feel Mm. old and alone. And when she met Lupe, she thought her prayers weren't answered because she found someone that could speak her language, and now she feels stupid because Lupe's just been... Kind of a, a jerk to her this whole time. Mm-hmm. Dink. And as all that's going on, she crashes the car, goes into a ditch. Not crashes the car, but drives the car off the road. 
And there's a really awkward cut to black here. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is like the Spice the Spice Girls movie where they yeah. didn't have enough money to have the bus jump uh-huh. over the bridge or whatever. <laughs> That's what it would have looked be better of. if they'd had a toy car go into the ditch than just cutting to black the way. <laughs> Save that money for season two. It was a little <laughs> awkward. I actually, when we, the first time we watched it, I was like, did our, did something die? happen? I thought it was an error. Like, no, I thought like our video oh. got cut out or something. <laughs> but no, they just, that, that was them uh, going into the ditch. With, I'm realizing just now that I am Esty because the first time I tried to learn to drive, I was 16 mm-hmm. and driving my friend's oh, truck. Oh, I know this story. And we, it was in a parking lot of a church in Kansas and I was, and it was a standard and I, for some reason we went to the second gear and I couldn't, I messed up the clutch and the brake and we full on jumped over like a barrier and landed in a little pond right next to the church. Oh my God. And it's horrible. And we had three boys in the back, like, you know, teenage In the trunk? Young. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. So, sorry. In the back of the trunk. You were putting three boys in your trunk into a pond. I see what was going on here. So one of them, so because we started sinking, we couldn't open the doors anymore because of the water pressure. Oh my God. But one of them fell and broke the back window with its elbow. And that's how we got out of that car. Anyway, that's my... Uh, Jesus, uh, you could have died that day. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Holy that's why Susanna didn't learn how to drive after until like, what, 26, 5? Something. Yeah, I remember the DMV yeah. person was like, why are you so old? I was like, first of all. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was literally asked, like, why are you so old? Why are you just getting your license now? Wow. Your business. Turtles. And secondly. <laughs> Oh my God, Michael Scott driving a car into the lake. Oh. Okay, mine was an actual jump. It was much more dramatic than Michael Scott That's electing crazy. to go in. Oh my God. Uh, anyway, sorry. Gosh. That's that's great. It's a great story because you lived. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> After they come back from the cut to black, <laughs> cars in the ditch, and Jess. Uh, looks in the trunk to see if they have a spy. It's really just the tire that got messed up here. And she looks in the trunk and says, shit out of luck. Lupe's like, there's no spare. Are you kidding me? And Jess says, I can fix it, but I need a few things. And I saw a station a mile back. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go get something. You stay here. And leaves her, leaves Lupe and Esty together and starts walking up the road with her cute little cap i love her yeah. braid i love how they're all dressed here they all look really yeah. good mm-hmm. 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 their personalities are perfect yeah right yeah mm-hmm. oh god i don't want to talk about this <laughs> <laughs> we're at the hotel with uh charlie and carson and we're bringing this up because i think it's important the staff, the the bellhop or whatever, is just like, oh, you know, what do you want for breakfast? And Charlie orders for both of them. And he's like, you know, oatmeal, scrambled eggs, mm-hmm. toast for Carson. And she says the complete opposite of that. So mm-hmm, either she's mm-hmm. changed or she's being a little defiant here. And I love it no matter what. 
But mm-hmm. the scene also reminded me of Titanic when Cal, the controlling boyfriend, orders for Rose and is just like, she'll have the lamb rare with very little mint sauce. <laughs> you like lamb, right, sweet pea? And she just was like, mmm, grits her teeth. I guess. Yeah. I love that we've brought up Titanic twice in this podcast. Uh, keep bringing it up. I love sure. it. Give me, give me that Kate Winslet. I also love that everything is about breakfast always in this podcast. Gosh, it is. Right. So they sit on the bed and they say hi a lot, which is frustratingly different than the Greta Carson. Hi, hi, hi. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like the straight version of hi, hi, hi. (laughs) It's much less appealing. And it just feels like they're off, right? I mean, obviously, they've been away from each other for a long time, but he asks about her ring. She's not wearing a ring. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this was really the case. She says she doesn't wear it because she doesn't want it to lose it. Or she, at some point, was just like, I'm not wearing this ring. I, feel I weird. believe yeah. the first time they bring up her not wearing her ring, she's happy with Greta. Yes. And then at another point, when they're fighting a little bit, Max notices that she has her ring on. So that happened at a low point with Greta. But you have the chronology wrong. So first, she was wearing it at first, which is when they're fighting and and poking each other. Mm -hmm. Max notices at one of the night practices that she's married and she's surprised because Max had seen her kiss Greta. That, I think, gives... And Carson defends it, right, initially... I think it gives you the idea, though, to take it off because she's then doing well with Greta. And so mm-hmm. from then on, she doesn't wear the ring. Think about the journey of that ring. And it's really brought up so much. It's like when she first meets Greta, she's like, oh, you're married. She's like, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. She's so proud of that ring. Mm-hmm. And then when she has that like <laughs> unhinged sex dream, <laughs> she's by herself <laughs> twirling that ring, looking at it and like thinking, right? Mm-hmm. You're right. Oh, it I is brought up so that. much. Mm -hmm. yeah she's twirling it like what does this mean i mean she's obviously grappling with not only the fact that she is uh she's grappling with being queer she's also grappling Mm -hmm. with cheating on her husband yeah (laughs) yeah of course so she's ordering different eggs she doesn't have a ring on her hair's different and i mean (laughs) she's changed it's been a short Mm -hmm. time but what he says he's been transformation a year so it's been mm-hmm. a while since they've seen each other. Like she doesn't want to talk about this anymore. So, and she just mm-hmm. wants to just see how it is kissing him. Just like force herself to just go for this, and she knocks him in the nose. <laughs> and, uh, he did Again, say that he thought like, he'd be safer coming home. That which was actually mm-hmm. pretty funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's another like juxtaposition to Greta and Carson first kind of really going at it and Carson was really awkward and moving Mm -hmm. too quickly but for a different reason yeah I think she mounts him because she wants him to stop asking her questions about how different she (laughs) is right no true and the other one she's like please let's do this I'm ready yeah (laughs) I can't tell you how much I don't want any (laughs) what's happening in this scene like every time Charlie is on screen, it makes me miss Gary. I at least Gary was entertaining and cute. Charlie's got nothing going for him. <laughs> Amazing. I love a baseball uniform way better than an army uniform. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Bring back two pumps, Gary. Jesus. <laughs> Gosh. Um, I lived a version of this. My first year in college, I right before going off to college, I started dating my boyfriend from Kansas, Eric. Mm. Was he in the car that you almost killed five people in? He was in the car. Oh, wow. Wow, man. Um, He stayed with you. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So he was in the States. I went to college in Lithuania. And my first year, I fell in love with a girl. You know, we were emailing Eric and I. That was our relationship. We would occasionally Skype. But Mm -hmm. I was... I didn't know it was happening. Like, I wasn't consciously cheating and i don't mm-hmm. want to defend cheating at all like that's the only time i've cheated and like in retrospect it's justified because i'm fucking gay but <laughs> 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 but i still feel you know badly about it no i understand but he came she left um for the summer and like the next day he came to visit me at college and everything in my body was like I do not want to be near, like, I do not want mm-hmm. to hold your hand. I do not want you here. Mm-hmm. Like, I want her. And I didn't realize it was going to happen until he arrived. Right. And it was tough. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Eric. I apologize. Uh, I'm sure he's okay. I'm sure he's doing fine these days. Like everybody else who ever dated is happily married with children. <laughs> <laughs> oh You're a good God. luck charm for other people's <laughs> relationships. <laughs> So at the factory baseball extravaganza thingy, mm-hmm. Esther is signing autographs and Max approaches, ask her for a fo- uh, an autograph and for her best contact phone number. I love and how she's she flirting. Mm-hmm. She compliments her on her dancing and Esther says she can't return the compliment, um, but <laughs> she's got a cute face. Cute. Yeah, you're cute. It's, it's some cute flirting over there. Clance approaches... And spills the beans because Guy is not here to help us get to the truth of things. So she's like, well, Kat, you want to say that line? It just, it was so funny. He's like, she tells Esther, like, you had written down that was also a picture, but the exact thing that she said, which was so ridiculous, was Max once pitched baseballs too. (laughs) (laughs) Someone who is like, this is my friend. I love her, but I don't understand anything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And so Esther gets, I don't understand that reaction. I don't know why she's so negative about it. She's like, well, not I, everyone's yeah. cut out for it. I actually understand her reaction now on my third or fourth rewatch. Okay. I finally Tell got us. why she's a jerk here. And I can't believe I didn't pick up on it earlier. Tell us because I haven't figured it out why she is a jerk here. <laughs> she has this reaction to learning that Max is a pitcher. And she talks about it later in the episode with Max. She's like, I'm so used to fighting for scraps, being a woman trying to be baseball. She all of a sudden is treating Max like competition, which is something we know many women in male-dominated industries or just offices, they unfortunately often treat other women as competition, either, you know, competition for their jobs, competition for husbands, whatever. Mm. And Esther has this reaction where she's like, oh, suddenly you're competition. I have to put you down because I don't want you to take my spot. There can only be one girl on this team. Mm. And I like how offended Clans gets on, on Max's behalf because oh. Esther calls her like 
you know, most real pitchers let their arms do the talking, not their little friends singing their praises. And yeah. Lance was ready to throw down. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you go nowhere with that pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it said that. Me too. Um, but Clans calls her the one word that I would never call a woman. The B word. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah. But then Max takes her autograph ball and throws it across the room and it makes Esther sweat a little bit. She she's like, oh shit, she can pitch. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. I love it. Max always defiant, always confident. Is like, I'll show you, I'll let my arm do the talking. Mm-hmm. Don't challenge me. <laughs> and then she picks up Clance and throws her across the room. <laughs> at the hotel with charlie right. saying charlie like i used to say gary but in retrospect <laughs> i fucking love gary now <laughs> carson is in the bathroom it doesn't want to go back out and talk to charlie and then charlie like kind of playfully tries to coax her out by like faking a call to the front desk and is just mm-hmm. trying to lighten the mood and, you know, make Carson feel better, which I appreciate. But are we supposed to be charmed by Charlie? Yes. yes. I'm not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not I'm not charmed by Car- Charlie's stinky armpits and fart jokes. Oh, I, yeah, <laughs> oh, I God. hated that. Oh, this is like, just let's not even bother talking about it. Uh, Next. Well, okay, I'll just, I'll, I'll go through it quickly. <laughs> you don't have to. No. He just goes and takes a shower <laughs> because he smells. And then. Oh. Please go and talk about okay. it from here. Yeah, we hate it. They they yep. reconnect a little bit. They like giggle together, but yep. yeah, he's talking about whatever. Moving on. And well, the, the thing you're supposed to take from this mm-hmm. is that when he goes into take the shower, Greta sees the letter Carson. that she wrote him. But yes, Carson sees the letter that Greta she wrote him. in the background. <laughs> through the window climbing a tree god how do you always show up yeah that's right oh my god like Janet. yeah it would janet's in the sense. corner of the room yeah <laughs> okay so we're back with sd and lupe so lupe and sd are pretty much that's it they're stuck there the car's stuck and they're stuck talking to each other and it, i guess when you have um this space, maybe you just sort of open up and start talking and can't believe it. Lupe's finally doing it. She tells Esty that um, she had to grow up uh, so fast and that she had a daughter when she was 17 and her parents raised that daughter instead of her and so she could escape with her freedom, basically. And she says she hasn't seen her daughter since, but Esty's eyes remind her of her daughter's eyes, which is, that's really kind of, it's a heartbreaking story, my goodness, right? Mm-hmm. And Esty really, her eyes light up though. Like mm-hmm. all she wanted was for Lupe was... to just connect with her a tiny bit and it, it really works. She, it makes her really happy and she gives Lupe a hug. Mm-hmm. And... Esty seems like she's like shivering, she's getting a little cold. And so Lupe goes to the trunk of the car to look for a blanket and sees the spare. And <laughs> Jess walks up with three Cokes. And she's like, 
there's a spare right there or whatever. <laughs> you said you had to get something to fix it. And she's like, I did. She yeah. said, just, you, you need Cokes to fix. <laughs> Jess, so she did the she classic trap two characters in an elevator together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and make them yeah. work out their problems. She's such a smarty pants. I also wanted to note really quickly that when she opens the trunk, you see boots also in the trunk. And this is Beverly's car. It's like her... Her military boots. Be the boot. Yeah. I thought you were going to say her BDSM boots. <laughs> her dominatrix outfits yeah. just in the trunk. Oh my goodness. Come on. <laughs> At the end of this, there's just a tiny moment in which Lupe understands exactly what Jess did. And she's mm-hmm. just doing some excellent face acting. Like we get that recognition. Mm. And she's, she's like into it. We go back to Max and Clance, and they're walking from the factory to the baseball game. And Clance is continuing to articulate her critical race theory ideas. And she's <laughs> saying, What about, what do you think of the word black? Like black and white versus color. And she says color, but it would have been colored at the time, which mm-hmm. is again outdated and offensive. And I like I like that little moment again. She's this character who's really really smart and actually very progressive with some blind spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know that stood out to me is really really important. She notices that Max is distracted, and asks if it hurts seeing Esther play, and Max says honestly like hell. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. This is when Clance encourages Max to not walk through her life like something is missing. Um, and then she, before she says that, she's just like, of course, I'd, I want you to marry Gary and live next to us and have our children marry each other. But oh my she gosh, recognizes so that that's not what Max actually wants. And Max is preparing for a difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. Says she has something to confess. Obviously, right away, Clans thinks death. She's much like Shirley in that way. <laughs> but Max just tells her, you know, Last night, I was at my uncle, and she emphasizes uncle Bertie's mm-hmm. house, and he's not a freak. Mm-hmm. And I like that, even though they're talking about Max's life and Max's ambitions, and Clance is sort of opening that door up for her to live her life authentically and fully, it's a different, again, it's a different journey for Max. And the first thing she chooses to do with Clance is not to self-disclose, but to defend somebody else. And I think... That's both in some ways safer, right? Like, mm-hmm. I remember in my, again, sorry, it's too many personal stories. No, but no, like, no, never too many. Uh, when I was, like, in college and still, like, trying to be a good conservative evangelical, and I would, like, read the Bible and speak with professors about, like, the way that homosexuality is mentioned in the Bible. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem right that we're punishing this, like, one kind of sin and saying that that's the worst sin, compared to all the other shit the Bible's talking about, right? Like, I kept trying to justify and, and, and come at it not from a personal perspe- perspective mm-hmm. of, like, I'm dealing with this and I'm realizing I might not be straight, but, like, it's just unfair that this mm-hmm. religion, you know, decides to punish gay people and women <laughs> and mm-hmm. people of color. Like, it was this kind of different cause that, that motivated me at first, and that was a sincere kind of a move in retrospect obviously it was also existential so i just think that moment is really interesting here with max and and plans Mm -hmm. 
I can't read Clance's reaction to this. I can't tell if she is understanding it and is starting to get it, or I can't read her at all here. I, I, I don't know what Clance is thinking here. I think we are supposed to, at this point, know that Clance speaks her mind in all situations, mm -hmm. and therefore that she is with the program. And her silence is actually speaking volumes. That means... If she hated this revelation, mm -hmm. she would tell us because she's told us before, even without being asked about uh -huh. Bird, mm -hmm. for example. She just okay. says, okay. She, ha she has that measured, okay, mm -hmm. right? Max is not dying, but something big is happening. She's going to be, for now, at least okay with it. Okay. And that's when, Max, that's when Max feels the permission to, to continue self-disclosing. She's saying, I don't think I'm going to marry Gary or anyone. You know, she doesn't know what her life's going to look like, but she doesn't want Clance to worry. And Clance is super sweet. And she's like, I'll always worry about you because you're mine. And it's Aww. really a sweet moment. And Love Max them. is tearing up and they embrace and then they walk off. Mm -hmm. I also think that this was Max's way. Like, like the same with like the way she wants to dress. She's like, everyone's always mm -hmm. telling me mm -hmm. how to dress, who to date, what they want from my life. Maybe her way of starting to come out or her journey of, you know, sharing this information with others is this way. I have to, yeah. you know, like, I'm going to tell you about, like you said, self-disclosing, you know, through someone else. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's her way of coming out. Maybe she knows that Clance can't handle just me being like, I am queer I don't know like yeah. and also I think you need a lot of time for that conversation to happen and we don't have that in these episodes here I think <laughs> right. Clance and Max are just as much of an important uh relationship as you know say Joe and Greta mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. back at the Peaches home Shirley is losing it she is spiraling over Joe and um, she's with Maybelle and she's saying they were compromised and that they're going to lose the championship now. Um, she's freaking out and Maybelle, sweet, sweet Maybelle, is trying to talk her off this ledge <laughs> and say that, you know, no, Joe was our friend. We don't need her because she was the best hitter. We need her because she's friend, mm -hmm. our friend and we're a team, we're a family now and so what if she's queer? Mm -hmm. Shirley says, <laughs> she could have seen my breasts. <laughs> and Maybelle says, everyone on the team has seen them, including mine, because they're great. Which I love this <laughs> moment. I think it's a little bit of a shout out to the movie. Yeah. When of course it is. Madonna's character is saying, oh, maybe she's trying to get uh, publicity. She's like, what if my bosoms popped out? And Rosie O'Donnell's character is like, do you think there's men in this country who haven't seen your bosoms? <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe I'll tell Shirley to take people as they are, which is such a great little line of advice. She's mm -hmm. again, go Maybelle. She obviously mm -hmm. knows about people on this team and what's going on. You think so? Is, I'm not sure. I it's do. Obvious. Okay. I think she does. And I think she know, obviously they all know about Joe now. I think mm -hmm. she also does know about Greta. And I think that because of this next moment where 
Um, she says like her oldest always says, and then Shirley interrupts her and was like, "Wait, you have you have children, you have a child." Like Shirley's <laughs> getting all kinds of revelations today. Yeah. But because of this, she's like, oh, my God, I can't I don't I, do I know you at all? I can't trust you either. Like she's again, she's full spiraling. Now she doesn't trust me. She's not Mabel. even telling her anything bad. What's so horrible? No. <laughs> she's just upset that she just learned that she has a kid. And it's so funny because Maybell's like, who do you think I've been knitting this for? She's knitting this little sweater. <laughs> <laughs> and then Shirley says, I probably can't even trust Greta. She's probably queer, too, because they travel in pairs. Um, and she storms out to confront Greta. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember if it's like a look that it is Maybelle a look. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. She just kind of like raises her eyebrows like, so what if Greta is queer? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's mm -hmm. what indicates to me that okay. I, I feel okay. like Maybelle did know uh, about Greta as well. And Shirley barges into Greta's room and everything is gone. Her Greta's bed is made, her bags are gone, her cute little hat luggage is gone. <laughs> All that's left is a, a book left on the bed. It's the book that she gave Carson, a tree grows in Brooklyn. Okay, we're back at the, I cannot, Red, Wright, and his all-stars versus the screws. <laughs> and they're playing shadow ball. Yeah, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> Carson, Gruddy, Abby, Darcy. Like, I can't, like, there's so many days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so many characters, so many real people. Uh, Clance and uh, Max are watching this game. They're in the stands. And they're playing, the team is, the teams are playing Shadow Ball, or if you're Clance, Invisible. <laughs> Sounds way cooler. Which, um, they played in the Negro Leagues. And I had, I did do a little history corner. I just did a little thing on, uh, Shadow Ball. So Shadow Ball, I'm just going to read the actual kind of description of it. It's a crowd-pleasing pantomime stunt in which team a team played without the benefit of a ball. It called for a lot of action, including brilliant leaping catches as players tossed an imaginary ball around the infield. Shadow Ball was often performed by Negro leaguers before their games. Esther uh, is introduced... It's very similar to the way the peaches are introduced. Mm -hmm. The bell of the ball. So they have to just grin and bear it. At some point, Max goes up to uh, Esther. And Esther's doing like her little pregame, little stretching or whatever. And she, Max apologizes about before, which I didn't really think she needed to, but I whatever. I didn't think she needed to either. <laughs> I, I don't like that she apologized to Esther no. here. I feel like it should have been the other way around. Mm-hmm. But Max is being like, just um, just the bigger person here. Just I think mm -hmm. she's just really getting to know herself. And she said that she's acting that way because she wishes that she was where Esther mm -hmm. is. That's also a very difficult sentence. But she starts giving her some tips on the players, mm -hmm. you know. And she does. She's like, oh, that person likes this ball. They can't hit this and whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's like, that guy over there. And it's Gary. And the pretty decent guy, which is funny again, because we're like, okay, Gary's better than Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Even Max has come to the conclusion <laughs> yeah. that he's not the worst character on this show. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Esther asks if she uh, used to play with them. And she's like, no, I, you know, I've never had a team, at least not a real one. It's just like, your heart is breaking. 
from Max. She's just really going through it. Like mm-hmm. there's, but I think she's happy. It's weird. Like she's saying all of this. And I think this sort of understanding of who she is and going head on with the way your life has played out, there's growth in that. And I think that's where Max mm-hmm. is at this point. And mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that line. I got her, her number. <laughs> Yeah. And that line, I never had a team, never had a shot, at least not a real one. Oh, I mean, she re- she, she gets rejected from the peaches. She gets rejected from the screws. She really is never considered for her incredible talent, right? It's right, just, yeah. Oof, it's tough. But she's living with it. She's learning, again, that, that survival and joy that she's seeing with Bert and Gracie and that community. I think she's coming into her own. We're so proud of our little Max, the only person having a good episode. <laughs> yeah. Right. Back at Charlie's, at our favorite place, Charlie's hotel room. Carson I like that each of us the had to introduce a Charlie <laughs> hotel room scene. <laughs> so she's Grown. upset with him. Like, why didn't, when she asked him about the letter, right, on the phone a long time ago, he lied and said he never received it. She tells him, She's not happy. There's something wrong with her. And he says he's known that all along. And he connects Carson's predicament with whatever made her mom leave her dad. That Carson also has that in her. And Carson stands up for herself and her mom. And she says, I actually don't have such a low opinion of her anymore. At least she wasn't pretending. And he wants more information. She asks him if he cares at all. He thinks she doesn't, they're just accusing each other of like not Mm -hmm. seeing one another. And then he appeals to his PTSD. Um, He explains, I was wondering at the end of their phone call, like why he was in the hospital. Right. And I, so this episode explains that he has effort syndrome, which is essentially a version of PTSD at the time. So they talk about trying to be more happy. And trying to make small incremental changes of which moving the bed to the south wall is supposed to be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> now it actually, you know, they, they're, wow. they're, they're trying, right? They're trying to say, okay, it's this is no not car in a shed. <laughs> exactly. Move the bed into the shed. See, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> she says that she wants to keep playing baseball, that if the league continues next year, she wants to come back. And then his immediate question is like, well, what about kids? She says that if she's playing, she, you know, they'd have to wait, which is a lie. And she's actually not being honest because we know from the mm-hmm. pizza date, she doesn't fucking want children. And so that scene seems sweet and like they're getting somewhere, but she's actually still not at all being her true self. I just mm-hmm. want to point that mm-hmm. out. And, you know, he wants to support her in this. You know, he says, you are a baseball player. They reconcile, they kiss, but a phone call interrupts them. Maybell is frantically telling Carson that Greta is gone. Back at the All-Stars versus the Screws baseball game, Esther is pitching fire. She is striking out all the screws, and the announcer (laughs) is continuing to be a sexist jerk. (laughs) Calls Esther Cinderella and... Uh, at one point, 
Red comes up to the mound to talk to her, and the announcer says, time for another tea party. He's just relentlessly <laughs> a jerk. Even <laughs> Clance at one point was like, give it up, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then suddenly Esther is pitching, and the screws are hitting. She was mm-hmm. destroying them one moment, and now um, they're hitting mm-hmm. off her, and uh, even Clance notices, like, what was that? That didn't look right. And a man behind her in the stands is like, ah, oh, they did this last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red tells his team to throw the game so that he can get a portion of the ticket sales for the game. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. So the everyone in the stands is, they see what's happening. They're bummed. Uh, Esther makes eye contact with Max from the stands and they share this little nod. And... I guess this snaps something for Esther mm-hmm. and then she goes to throw a pitch and like really weakly fakes this injury. It's so funny. She's <laughs> mm-hmm. just like, oh, oh, my shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not convincing at all, but I love my it. My bones, like... my body. <laughs> it was very intentionally <laughs> not convincing, which was great. And uh, Red comes back up to the mound to check on her. She's like, I can't pitch. She points to Max in the stands and is like, Mm -hmm. put her in. Like, I guess their conversation earlier when Max was saying, I never had a shot, also Mm -hmm. uh, woke something up in Esther. And I was like, yeah, let's let's give Max a shot. Maybe I'll stop being a bit of a jerk here. And (laughs) Max and Clance are like, wait, who's she pointing to? And Clance is like, she's not pointing to me. And everyone's motioning for Max to come onto the field. And she starts uh, freaking out a little bit. And Clance gives her the cutest uh, rally speech. She's like, you are super Maxima, queen of Rockfordia, (laughs) and you are crusading toward victory. (laughs) Her next comic. (laughs) Oh, super Maxima. Great name. Uh, it, It works. Max heads on to the field and Clance is like, that's my friend still cheering her on. <laughs> oh, not before Max replies with, with something from her comic book and admits that she peeked in her sketchbook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I liked it, but you are so deeply weird. <laughs> Best compliment. What a great friendship. They, they really don't understand each other, but they still love each other mm-hmm. to the moon and back. Mm hmm. So Red is like, uh, does this girl know the rules? Meaning, does she know to throw the game? And um, Esther is like, yeah, I'll make sure of it. <laughs> but to to Max, Esther's like, you said you never had a team. You know, the rules are pitched to hit, but take your shot here. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. She gets up on that mound. You know, every time she's done this before, she starts hearing voices and... Uh, starts, as Carson called it, she gets the yips, freaks out. Here, she hears nothing. There's no voices mm-hmm. in her head here. She takes a breath, is filled with confidence. Uh, she throws her ball. It gets hit, but it comes right back to her, and she catches it. And then she starts pitching strikes, just like Esther was. Thrown five. Yeah. It's really awesome. I was so distracted and worried for Max pitching in those loafers. Like I just could not like her foot 
her feet would just be <laughs> slipping all over. Just yeah. Get the girl some cleats. That's right. She's not wearing a uniform, a hat, nothing. She's yeah. just in her She's wearing outfit. a belt. Yeah. Mm, a button up <laughs> shirt. That's like probably a little too tight for that, but whatever. Exactly what you said. She's not hearing anything. And that's head. after sleeping on a floor all night. And <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> drunkenly trying to too. dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The announcer says that the All-Stars have lost five years in a row. All of a sudden, you know, Max is, they're coming back. Red is like, what's going on? She's supposed to be throwing this game. And Esther's like, you wanted a show. She's giving it to you. (laughs) The crowd is loving it. And she she strikes out the last guy. The All-Stars win the game. And... The crowd rushes the field. They all like surround Max. It's so triumphant. She mm-hmm. finally got her shot. She didn't blow it. She crushed it. And everyone is excited. And she's just like looking to the sky, soaking it all in. It's really great. It is the best part of this episode. Everything else has been a downer, but we get to see our girl Max. All right. Carson is on it. She's like, all right, I got to go find out where Greta is. First, I, I assume the first place she went was the train station. That's where Greta does. Greta runs, right? Oh, yeah. I, don't, I, I did wonder that. how she got there. Yeah, mm-hmm. she just knew that Greta would be trying to get away. Interesting. Um, I wonder if she took Beverly's car to get there. <laughs> it's like can. Beverly's so, car. Wait, but no, the car's with Justin Lupe. Yeah. She must have took the sex shed car. <laughs> <laughs> I guess a cab or whatever. I don't or know. the bicycles. All of the bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could you imagine if Greta got there on a bicycle with her dress <laughs> and this hat, her Carol hat? Oh my gosh. Just dropped it down. Even in her deepest depression and fear, she's like, I have to look amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that's the only thing she can control. Mm. Her life is out of control, so but she can control her the way she looks. She can at least look put together, even though she doesn't feel mm-hmm. it right now. Yeah. So Carson sees her there, just on to your next adventure. And Greta's like, obviously surprised, but you, you could almost tell she did want, she did want to see Carson again. Yeah. She's like, you are too with your, your next adventure with Charlie. You know, and they're, they're kind of doing that thing where, they're being a little tough with each other, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is you, Greta. You're on to your next adventure. And she's like, well, you're going. You're leaving mm-hmm. with Charlie. <laughs> like, they don't really speak yeah. until Carson is like, look, you know, we need you. You are a peach, and we need you on our team. Carson is not really getting through to her. She's like, look, everything's in the letter that I left. And Carson's like, what? Like, what letter? Greta says, now Greta is not putting the blame on Carson like she did at the beginning of this episode. She's like, I'm just not good for anyone. That's really heartbreaking, right? Like she has no confidence in herself, certainly not enough to be on a baseball team. And Carson tries to, you know, tell her that, you know, you helped save Jess and she stood up to Dove and, you know, you made me feel like I could actually coach. No one's ever had confidence in me. You put a note here, like, I can't believe they don't hash out all the other shit. <laughs> Why is this so team-oriented? 
<laughs> and I had that thought as well, though, because I wondered on the drive back to the Peach's house, like it would be so fascinating. Like they're sitting alone together. Hmm. What did they right. talk about? Maybe they did. Who knows? Can't see every scene, right? Susanna wants the lesbian drama. It's her I jam. do. I just feel like, yeah, if this were real life, first of all, this conversation would have taken 25 hours and there would be like a lot of tears <laughs> so and a lot of like processing. Yeah. And a lot of comforting each other and then maybe being mad again and then comforting each other. Also imagine if the only way to get away from somebody was to go to a train <laughs> station and sit there. <laughs> I have left people's homes after breakups abruptly many times. And if I couldn't, I would now be married with children like everybody else. <laughs> Oh, no. I once dated someone very brief, very briefly. And I went to their house and I like, I bought flowers and like, I was like, really? I was like, I'm going to take them to dinner or whatever. Like something was really off. I was like, what's going on? This is like one of my favorite stories. Like at the time it was like a gut punch, but she literally said, I just found someone cuter. And I was like, oh, that is horrible. (laughs) And imagine if I had to wait for a train bicycle to a train. (laughs) I got in my car so fast. Yeah, yeah. I like, I I don't really run. Flowers in her stupid face. No, I didn't. I left them. Wait, no. uh, What kind of a monster? Even if that were the case, that was it. I wouldn't make that that up. No, I believe you. Wow. I just oh, found someone no. cuter. Amazing. Don't and then she tried to like extrapolate a little bit as I was leaving. Like, oh, did we just get a we just better matched or whatever? I was like, ow, 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 Fuck ow. Fuck you. I mean, there's no yeah. good way mm-hmm. to say I don't want to be with you. There isn't, but that mm-hmm. is far from the top of the list of ways you could say it. Yeah. yeah. Also, Ay-y-y-y-y. that is something that you say over the You break up with me over the phone. Don't make me go in person and cry with you. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about other things. <laughs> At the post-game party, Esther and Max are enjoying some beers in a very, very dark corner of <laughs> wherever they are of the woods. At the screw Just factory night. still. I think. Oh. I, I don't know. There's like a fire happening. Right. Not clear. Max is worried that Esther will get found out for faking her injury so she's sweetly like telling her to pretend that she's in pain (laughs) and esther explains she's not worried at all about being fired because it's precisely she who sells tickets for the team she's Mm. the token woman on the team so (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then there's a chicago defender reporter at the party and red is enjoying the attention so she is not worried at all because this is going to be a really important story and this is going to you know bring in more sales ticket sales they talk about red's former glory and of course he is denied he had been denied um, being able to play in the mlb because he's black and then esther doesn't have much hope for that to change in the future but max says somebody's going to be the one and, and of course, be. that happens. Four Jackie years later, Jackie will be Jackie Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that we know this in retrospect, but I think in Max's mind, it's not just a man, right? Like, she thinks that maybe it's going to be a woman, too. Yeah. God, that'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Her horizons are not yet 
tainted by by we're still not there in 2022 Mm -hmm. so yeah exactly yeah she even says wouldn't be amazing if it was us and esther calls her crazy but now it's confirmed (laughs) and so we're back to the whole journey of max like She's not pitching. She's pitching. She's not pitching. She's obsessed with baseball. She's fucking Gary. She's obsessed with baseball. <laughs> she's now, she's now fully back to being obsessed with baseball, and it's super sweet. Mm-hmm. And this is when Esther explains that thing that Crystal's already pointed out, right? That her whole life she's had to fight for scraps, and when you see somebody who is in the same boat as you, you be- you become defensive and that's what esther did earlier with max she does she's she explains that that later on after that confrontation with clance and max that she realized that even if it were to happen it wouldn't be max doing the taking taking it away from her Mm -hmm. which i think again really important that they're recognizing the kind of structural issues that are in place and rising above just blaming the the most obvious sort of right. person for for what you are not getting. Mm-hmm. I like this very much for, for her and for clans, this kind of systemic analysis of what's happening. Yeah. They just touch every issue in this show. It's incredible mm-hmm. in such a brief um, and pointed, understandable mm-hmm. way. So Esther asked if she still wants that autograph, but they don't have a pen or a ball. <laughs> and... <laughs> She pulls Esther in for a kiss, and it's super sweet. I was surprised by this because they're Same. not that far away from the rest yeah. of the team and people and, and just public eyes. <laughs> we learned from Greta and Carson, as long as there's not an owl, trees are a safe place to kiss. <laughs> right. <laughs> no spiders either. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Red approaches, they obviously... Stop kissing. And I like that, like, Max wipes her mouth as though somebody could tell that she was just kissing <laughs> in that dark spot. Oh, no. And essentially, Red is saying, you know, as long as you don't have a boyfriend who would miss you, we have a West Coast tour and he'd be selling the women as a double feature and they would bring the money. She doesn't understand what's happening at first, but mm-hmm. eventually she just. just loudly screams take me now (laughs) (laughs) what the movie didn't do in 1992 they could have done a slightly better job and told the story of suffering but they did a much better job Mm -hmm. and in addition to the story of suffering and injustice they, they told a story of resilience despite all the limitations of jim crow u.s and i just really applaud them for for lifting the joy up absolutely yeah after that beautiful beautiful scene back at the peaches home carson and greta uh enter the home which is amazing they still look both a little somber Mm -hmm. but carson did Mm -hmm. manage to convince greta to not run from this and to come back uh, the team is all sitting in the the common area. Maybelle says, "Great, the gang's all here, almost." Maybelle's still really uh, crushed by losing Joe. The team has had a day. Everyone looks really <laughs> beat up. I mean, Joe got traded. Esty went missing. Greta left. Like the team almost completely mm-hmm. dissolved. And you, at least I forgot. We're, there's still baseball going on. They have a championship. Uh, game to get to this almost Mm -hmm. happened at 
at the worst possible moment. And Coach Carson, uh, she's so uh, fallen into this role now really well. And she sees the look on everybody's faces and wants to give them some words of encouragement despite everything um, and kind of calls them all to listen up and notes that the only one missing uh, from the team right now is Shirley. And Mabel says she's out for the night, feeling a bit green in the gills and in the head too, if I'm being honest. So Mabel knows that uh, Shirley's losing it over mm -hmm. the gay. <laughs> Maybe giving Carson a little bit of a heads up. You're going to have to deal with yeah. this one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your roommate is uh, going off. Wild. Right <laughs> <laughs> so Carson gives her speech anyways and tries to inspire them and says, despite everything that happened tomorrow, they're going to get up early. They're going to practice. They're going to buckle down and focus. They still want to, and they owe it to everyone themselves, the team mm -hmm. to win this championship. They've come so far. Mabel says, we're going to unravel those socks. They're obviously <laughs> playing the blue socks, which is uh, yeah. where Joe got traded and mm -hmm. SD too. She wants to win. And they all, thanks to coach Carson, they all feel a tiny bit better. <laughs> Just a little. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybell is like, thank you, coach. And a little bit of spirit lifted. They they all kind of head up to their rooms for the night. And then Carson calls Charlie, who's sitting at his hotel room still. Thank goodness. <laughs> says, <laughs> I'm not coming back to the hotel room. I need to focus and uh, stay with my team. Uh, Greta sees this conversation happening and uh, she's hard to read here. She gives a little nod. Yeah. Um, while I hate it. it. Yeah, <laughs> knowing that Carson is talking to Charlie and mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think wonder she's if she... just accepted defeat in some way. And I don't mean like mm -hmm. of the team. I just mean she can't change anything right now. She can't bring right. Joe back mm -hmm. and she cannot get Carson back. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But Carson goes upstairs and Shirley is sitting in this uh, dark room. It's very menacing. The, the way they show Shirley here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, it's like, like it's turned into like a, a monster bit... movie or something. Yeah. 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 Sure. Like the camera's a little bit below her looking up at her menacing. God, you're right. Stare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The lights are low. And Shirley's like, uh, she has the letter that Greta left for Carson that Carson didn't know about. And she's like, I know about you. <laughs> I know what you did last summer. <laughs> God, you're right. The only person that you could find in this whole series that is like the like the big bad is the person that is just really not okay with gayness. For like five minutes, though, we're gonna. Well, yes, of course. I love yes, yes, yes. They wrap up yeah. Shirley's villain arc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm okay with it. Then uh, yeah. the episode ends on uh, Carson's kind of shocked face. And do we want to read the letter? This was the letter is not shown in the show, but uh, later on Twitter, it was posted what Greta wrote to Carson. So everyone was online wondering what this letter said. And one of the writers, Desta Tedros Ref, obliged. I was like, well, if the fandom needs it, here you go. And this, I missed this completely. I did not mm -hmm. see this. And Same. It, it creeped up on our timeline uh, maybe like a week or two ago. And I was tripping out that they obliged. It says, Carson, I'm sorry, but I had to go. We've been living in a dream world, you and me. 
and it's only a matter of time before everything falls apart. It always does. They already found out about Joe. We're next if we don't stop, and I can't see you hurt. I just can't take that. But I meant what I said that first night. I've never met anyone like you. I will miss your lips. I will miss your touch. I will miss everything we had except maybe your dancing. <laughs> but it is better for you to be with him and for me to move on. Love, Greta. Ouch. So, Ouch. that's not good enough for me. I wanted something more. <laughs> I wanted to be <laughs> what did so you want much more revealing. Mm. I wanted my heartstrings to be tugged a little bit more. That felt cool. Frosty. <laughs> Again, well, mm. she was I feeling guess frosty when she wrote it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this was not. This wasn't a love letter. This was. God, you're See, right. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, just but con- convincing yourself that. Yeah, you're okay. Mm. I'm fine. It's like yeah, it's like the text you you send post breakup. Like, I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> like, nobody's doing well. Also, you have a piece of mail that showed up. What do you want me to do with this? <laughs> all right fruits that's it for this episode we're glad you were here with us for everybody's 24 hours of heartbreak even the peaches (laughs) and max being victorious right max has found her team Mm -hmm. i just want to remind everybody to check the hashtag leaktober uh for so much great fan art we will we'll be concluding hashtag leaktober probably our next podcast which will be yep mm-hmm. episode eight thanks to Alyssa of the band the daily fair for composing our peach jam please rate review and subscribe to the show on apple podcasts or wherever you listen follow us on twitter at waaf pod and tell your friends about the show here's a review from morgan who writes Amazing! This podcast is witty, funny, and smart. It is a great comfort if you're missing a lotto, are nervous about it getting a second season, as we are. Highly recommend. If you'd like to hear your review featured on the show, please write us a few lines on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to wear, write on, sleep with, or drink out of We Are All Fruit merch, visit our Tea Public store. See you next week for a recap of episode 8, and thank you for being our team. 